Welcome to the Peckway Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. At Peckway, our mission is to transform lives by connecting people with God and with each other. It's our hope that this message will give you hope and encourage you to take the next step in your journey with Christ. For more information about our services and weekly ministries, visit us at peckwaychurch.com. is dead. But this king is not gone forever. The story has not ended. There is a twist, a third act. There is a third day, and on that third day, the king will strip death of its power and extinguish the sting of Hades. This king is not defeated. This king is not destroyed. This king is the resurrection. He is the life. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The king has returned, leaving death behind, destroying hate, inviting us all to live in his victory, in his kingdom, in his peace. Yes, the king has risen. Good morning. Would you stand as we begin today? The king is alive, and he is the only king forever. Let's worship him today as we celebrate this resurrection day. Unmatched in all your wisdom 
love and justice you will reign and every knee will bow we bring our expectations our hope is anchored in your name in the name of jesus oh, oh. we trust the name of jesus you are the only king forever almighty god we lift you higher you are the only king forever forevermore you are victorious you are the going this morning. We're going to sing about the house of the Lord and the joy that we have today because he is alive. Let's lift our voices worshiping. the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, he holds the victory. Sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung the 
up on that cross Then he rose up from the grave My God still rolling stones away There's joy in the house of the Lord There's joy in the house of the Lord today We won't be quiet We shout out your praise There's joy in the house of the Lord We were the beggars, now we're royalty. And we were the prisoners, now we're running free. And we are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. All right, you have an opportunity to sing it again. Because we were the beggars, now we're royalty. His praise today. You can give the Lord a hand. I saw you were wanting to do that. Don't be afraid to do that today. Well, as you're being seated, I wanted to say thank you so much for being here this morning with us on this Easter Sunday morning. It's always a privilege to be able to sing with you. And every Sunday is a Resurrection Sunday, right? But this is just the day that we happen to lift that up and celebrate it. So again, thank you so much for being here. You know, this Holy Week that we've uh, been celebrating Jesus all week long and thinking about what he did for us as, uh, as he was betrayed and then he was crucified. And then we come on this third day this morning and we worship him, and we don't celebrate uh, an empty tomb. We celebrate today a risen Savior. And so that's why we're singing. That's why there's joy in the house of the Lord today. I was thinking of uh, one of the women, the first woman who, who was at the tomb when Jesus rose from the grave, Mary Magdalene. And uh, as I was reading this week, just talking about, she, she's the woman, if you've heard the story, that had the expensive uh, perfume, and she wept and she wiped Jesus's feet with her hair 
And uh, this woman, that was everything she had. And this woman was a, a woman who, um, she, she sold herself, all right, as uh, she, she was a prostitute. And God forgave her of that, told her that her sins were forgiven. Everything that she'd ever done was wiped away. And so when you have so much to be thankful for, we just can't help but rejoice and worship him. And so that's why we're doing that today. That's why we're pouring out our praise on him today. Well, I want to invite you to look inside of your bulletin this morning. You're going to find a gray connection card. I'm going to invite us all to take out that card. Go ahead and begin filling that out as I'm talking to you this morning. Online, you're going to find a connection card as well in the chat window there. You might have to click off of your screen and go and minimize, and you'll find that. But um, we would love to know uh, how you're celebrating Easter with us today. Um, maybe jot down what, what you're thankful for today as we celebrate this Easter Sunday morning. We love to connect people with each other and with God here at Peckway Church. And so this is just simply a way that we're able to do that, that we can keep that connection and open a line of communication with you, give you any resources that you might need to see uh, what Peckway Church is about. You can also simply take out your phone and you can text the word hello to this number 717-872-5679. Just a quick, easy, simple way. You'll get a form that you can fill out as well and, uh, and you'll be able to, to do that as, uh, as well as that gray card. So we also, uh, thinking about our values, we are so grateful for families, for you taking the time out today. And how many of you know gas is expensive? Is it expensive, right? So I know you spent your money to get here, your gas money. So what we're going to do uh, today celebrating this is I'm going to be giving away um, two $25 gift cards that are for gas. So, but you have to fill out that, that connection card. Fill out the gray card, fill out the, the card online, and I'll put your name in the hat for that. So it'd be great, right? You get paid to come to church today and be here as a part of this service. So please make sure you do that. And uh, But again simply also that way that I can say thank you for being here on Easter Sunday morning. I'd love to reach out and say that to you this week. Um, so yeah, so now I might not get to all of you, all right, but yeah, I will, uh, I'll thank you for doing that. Well, as we continue our worship here today, um, I wanted to, you know, let's sing this next song together. I'm going to invite you to stand again. We are singing about that risen Savior. I've already said that Jesus, we're not celebrating that empty tomb. We are celebrating a risen Savior today. And so we're going to keep that worship going. Oh, Jesus. 
Hear the shackles breaking free. Hear the song of the redeemed. He is moving. He is moving. He's alive. So take this freedom. Take this love. about today. He left it in the grave, it says. Let's worship him. celebrating today and I've already talked about that you know when you've been forgiven much um, there's much to celebrate and so maybe you're not at that place today um, thinking of Easter and just the human condition Jesus came to rescue us from ourselves from our sins from all the things that we would try to do to either um, pay for our sins or or even sometimes we have to come to the place where we 
um, we realize that we're a sinner. We realize that there's nothing we, we can do to save ourselves. And, um, you know, I was a really bad self-help junkie, even as a Christian. I was always reading books, how to be better at this or better at that, or just things from the past, how I could be healed from those things. And, you know, one day Jesus reminded me that once you become a Christian, he does all of that for you. You don't have to self-help. You don't have to try to pay for your own sins. You don't have to, um, you don't have to do anything because by his grace, he saves you and he rescues you from that. And there's nothing wrong with self-help books. Don't let me tell you that because there's things that people have learned over life that help us learn how to do things better, right? But we can never do it better than Jesus. And so I want to share uh, a testimony of a Peckway uh, person here today and uh, let them tell you their story about how Jesus transformed their life. So let's watch. About four years ago, I was going through some, some things, and uh, I, there was never really a sense of fulfillment, whether it come to advancement through work or achievement or happiness through vice. It's just I never really felt whole. So a few years ago, I, I decided to do something a little bit different, and instead of a, a regular prepared, like, written prayer, I decided to start a normal conversation with Jesus and just like you and I are sitting here talking today. Um, by way of that, um, what I consider a miracle in my life, he, within a few weeks he had taken me out of one situation and, and, and given me exactly to the detail what I was looking for. And that was change, that was a complete change in my world for, for everything. When that happened, I, I, I felt this huge change, even in my heart, and I started praying on a regular basis. And when I mean praying, I mean having a normal conversation with Jesus, just like you and I, Scott, are having here today. And in that conversation, I would talk about my daily life and things that were going on, and I would always remind myself now that I had gotten this fresh start, and it was of God's grace. So at that point, um, yeah, well, things had, things had changed. I, there was a little bit more clarity. It, what seemed impossible, um, when you start to add them up, here's how I seen it. If it was just one or two things, it could have been purely coincidental. If it was four or five things, it may have been luck. But when I started to add up all the small details and what actually happened to change my life, you get into a couple dozen different things. And that, to me, was just too much to be coincidental luck. So that stood out as something that was previously impossible for years to becoming possible literally almost overnight. I appreciate Lewis sharing that story. And uh, as we talked, he talked about that surrendering to the Lord, making him his savior and the Lord of his life. And so he talked about how things that seemed impossible became possible. And that was because of what Jesus did in his heart and life. And so when we believe, when we trust, God changes those things. When we ask him into our heart and our life and he rescues us, we have to believe for it. So let's stand. We're going to celebrate with this song together that we are going to believe for it today, that the mountains, the things in our lives that keep us from Jesus, we can surrender to him today.
this mountain can't be moved. They say these chains will never break, but they don't know you like we do. There is power in your name. We've heard that there is no way Time will never change. They haven't seen what you can do. There is power in your name. So much power in your name. Move the immovable, break the unbreakable. God, we
us bow for prayer. And as we do, will you trust God this morning? Will you believe in who he is, what he says, the testimonies of people that you know, the testimony you heard today? God, will you help us believe today in the miracle of the resurrection, the resurrection of you, Jesus, the resurrection of lives? Lord, will you do the seemingly impossible today as we hear your word, as we trust God, uh, Lord, just with a mustard seed of faith, that very tiny, smallest seed of faith. Thank you, Jesus, for being in this place today and for what you're going to do. And we pray and ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. And I know I speak on behalf of all of you when I say to Scott, the worship team, the tech team, thank you for all that you've done to prepare this Sunday Easter celebration for us. And, and I don't know about you, but I couldn't help but think of those words in that, of the, that verse in, in that song that we just sang, that, um, that from the impossible we see a miracle. And I thought about the fact, even as we sang that song, that, you know, 2,000 years ago, there was just a handful of men and women who believed that Jesus could do the impossible that he really could bring life from death. He could give, bring hope where there was nothing but hopelessness. And now today, because of that reality, 2.4 billion people are worshiping him today, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus because God can and continues to bring the impossible from the impossible. And that's really where I'm gonna begin this morning by asking you an honest question. You don't have to answer out loud, but I want you to answer it for yourself. And here's the question. Have you ever been in the middle of a project where you wish you could start over. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever been in the middle of, say, painting a room, maybe cleaning out the garage, I don't know, raising your kids, and you wish you could have started over? Have, have you ever been, you know, halfway through your career, halfway through your education? Maybe you're here today and you say, I'm halfway through a marriage, and somehow I wish I could just turn back the clock and do things a little bit differently. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been halfway through something? and never wish you had a fresh start. Well, here's the good news, folks. Easter is about fresh starts. It's all about fresh starts. In fact, Paul, who I would call the poster kid for fresh start, wrote this. It's there on Yacht Lines if you haven't taken it out. But here's what he writes. He says, a clean slate and a fresh start come from God by the way of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I know and you know. Most people today in America, really around the world, know that Easter Sunday is the day that we as Christians celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, him coming back from the grave. And we celebrate because we believe with all our hearts that that event literally split history in two. And so here's the reality, even if today you're here, and I'm glad you're here if this is your reality for you, that even if we don't believe that Jesus was who he said he was, and that he did what he said he would do, the reality is every time you write the date, you are pointing to the resurrection of Jesus. Because it's the resurrection of Jesus that really is the reference point for A.D. and B.C. Now, most of us know that, that Easter is a day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But here's what a lot of people don't know, even people in the church sometime. And that is what most of us don't know, what many people don't know, rather, is that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to give you and me a fresh start, a new lease on life, if you will. That's what Lewis was talking about in the video. And that's why Paul said this. Take a look at it there in your He said, just as Christ 
was raised from the dead by the power of the Father, we can also live a new life. Now that's the promise of Easter. That's the good news of Easter. And logically, at least for me, from that verse, the question I ask is this. So what changes when God gives us a fresh start? What changes when Jesus comes in our life and gives us that new life that Paul was talking about? And that's really what I'm going to look at today. I want to share with you three things that change in your life and mine when God gives us a fresh start because of Easter. So let's just jump into it this morning and let's just look at the first one. Here's the first thing that changes in your life and mine when God gives us a fresh start through Jesus. And the first thing is that we get a new perspective on life. You and I get a new perspective on life. In other words, we, we, we get a new picture of our past, of our present, of our future. We see our relationships, our challenges, our opportunities. We see it all differently. And bottom line, folks, because of God giving us that new start, folks, the reality is we see our whole life with a different set of lenses because when he gives us that fresh start, it's as if somebody turned on the light. It's suddenly for the first time we feel like we're seeing life clear for the very first time. And again, Lewis talked about that experience in his life, and that was the experience in my life as well. And I would say to you, that's not an accident. It's not by chance. Because take a look at what Jesus said. Jesus said this to you and me. He said, I am the light of the world. So if you follow me, you won't stumble through the darkness for living light will flood your path. Not that it'll just hit a little bit. He said it will flood your path. It'll flood your life. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like you were stumbling through life? Have you ever felt like I didn't know exactly where to go or what to do? If you've ever felt that way, then I would suggest to you that it's possible that it might be because you don't have the light that Jesus can give. Because Jesus does not want us to stumble through light. He wants us to be able to see clearly, to see the path. So if we don't have the light, it can suggest to us that we don't have the light that Jesus can give. And, and, and folks, because the reality is when you and I don't have the light that we need, we don't have the light that Jesus can give, the, re, the truth is for all of us that we can't see where we're going and we often don't sense truly what's going on around us. And so here's my point, that for you and I to live life successfully, in other words, for you and I to be the husband or the wife that we want to be, to be the parents we want to be, to be the employee or the employer we want to be, bottom line, to live the life that we want to live, folks, we need to see clearly. We need to have a clear perception of life. And yet here's the reality. After 30-some years of ministry, here's what I've noticed. It was true of my life for almost the first 25 years of my life, and that is many of us are living confused and unclear lives. And I say that because we ask questions like this. You know, why aren't my plans working out? Why are some of my relationships so strained and so difficult? Why can't I balance my responsibilities and my dreams and my aspirations? Why is it that life just seems so tough? Listen to me, folks. All of those are confusion questions. They come from a place of confusion, and they show that we do not have the light that Jesus can give us because he doesn't want us to be confused. He doesn't want us to live in the dark, which simply says this, folks, the closer we get to him, the less confused you and I will be, the clearer you and I will see our lives and the circumstances of light but I need to understand this. We need to note this, folks, that our minds and our hearts, more than our eyes, determine what we see. It, they really do. It, it really is, in, in psychology, we talk about, you know, this, this, 
validation biased, confirmation biased. And the reality is our hearts and minds determine more than our eyes what we truly see. Jesus said this, when you get your inside world, that is your mind and your heart put right, then you can see God in the outside world. So have you ever said this? You know, I don't see God. I don't see answers to prayer in my life. If you've ever said that, then you need to ask yourself, candidly, honestly, is my heart and mind really open? Is my heart and mind really open to the reality of God? Because Jesus said, when I put my heart and my mind right, I will see God everywhere, all around me. And I know that's true for me, that earlier in my life, before I knew Christ, before I had a relationship with Jesus, I didn't see God anywhere. But then I entered in that relationship with God, and I began to see God in, in the most natural places. I, I began to see him everywhere in creation. Those of you who know me know I love to be outdoors and be in the woods. I saw him certainly in the birth of my first child, and my second child, and my third child. And now as a grandparent, I've seen him, God in the birth of both my grandchildren. Folks, I, I've seen God, and you've seen God, in, in the compassionate acts, in the benevolent acts, in the gracious acts of others. We see God everywhere whenever our hearts and minds are put right, when we open our hearts and minds to God. Now, having said that, I, I need to go where I know some of you have already gone, and that is we need to recognize that while that is true, that we won't see everything clearly on this side of heaven. Do we understand that? We need to understand that some things, folks, you and I will not understand or see clearly this side of heaven. Things like long-term illness, the death of a loved one, infer infertility. Those things, folks, we're not going to fully comprehend or see clearly on this side of heaven. But God says, in heaven, they will be made clear to us. That's why Paul wrote this. One day, we will see everything with perfect clarity. Then will we know everything completely, just as God knows us. I want to give you maybe a, a metaphor, an image, an illustration that will maybe help you understand that. I want you to imagine, and I think probably we've all seen it, have you all seen a hand-tied rug? You know, not one made of machine, but one that was made by hand. If you have, then what I want you to imagine is if you look at the underside of that hand-tied rug, the, 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 the bottom of that, that hand-tied rug, what you will see is nothing but a jumble of threads and knots. There won't be any discernible pattern. You'll have no idea what it was that its maker intended, what it had planned for the rug. But if you flip that rug right side up, suddenly the pattern will emerge. Suddenly you'll see the pattern that the maker intended for that rug, folks, and it's the same way in life. When you and I today look at our upside-down world, it looks a mess, doesn't it? It looks like just a jumbled, confused mess. But when we see it from heaven's perspective, folks, when we, one day we see it as God sees, then that day, folks, we're going, to, we're going to say to God, oh, I get it. I now see the pattern. I now understand what you're doing. It didn't make sense but it, then, but it makes sense now. John writes this. Whoever accepts and trusts God's Son gets in on everything, life complete and forever. The person who avoids the, the, and distrusts God's Son is in the dark, and doesn't see life. Here's the point, folks. You and I, John says, can either live in the dark or we could live in the light. And what determines where we live, he says, is what we choose, whether we choose to trust and accept Jesus or not. He says that's the decision. That's what determines where we live. And so the very first thing that God gives us when he gives us a fresh start 
is this new perspective on life. But that's not all. He gives us the second thing. And the second thing he gives us is a new confidence about the future. A new confidence about the future. Now, here, here's what I absolutely believe about you and, and me. And that is we all work really, really hard to look confident on the outside, don't we? I mean, none of us set out, well, maybe I do. I learned years ago to do the slow preacher shuffle. But the reality is most of us work really, really hard to look confident on the outside. But here's what I know is a truth for you and me, to whatever degree. Inside each and every one of us, folks, there are worries, there are fears, there are insecurities. And part of the reason that's true for every one of us is simply this, because we put our confidence in the wrong things. Things like our appearance, which we all know will pass away, our possessions, our achievements. We, we all put our confidence in things that are temporal. But the only sure thing for confidence for you and me, for our confidence, is God. And that's why when he gives us a fresh start, he gives us also a new confidence about the future. And what I want to do very quickly, there are many, many ways that God does that for us. But let me share with you just four ways that God gives you sources, if you will, for that new confidence in our life when we get a fresh start from God. And here's the first one. And that is God promises to forgive everything we've done. He promises to forgive everything we've done. Look at what, look at what Paul writes. He says, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. Now, I am convinced that the greatest destroyer of confidence in your life and mine is guilt and shame. Hands down, there's not even another one that's even close, folks. Whether that guilt comes from something we did or didn't do in the past, or it comes from something someone else did or said to us in the past that we can't move beyond. But regardless the source of the pain and the shame, the guilt, the truth is it always, always fills you and it fills me with fear and insecurity. That's just how it works. That's just how it operates. And that's why when God gives you and me a fresh start, the first thing he does is he wipes the slate of your life and mine clean. I want you to notice this verse from, from Micah chapter 7, verse 19. <clears throat> it says, he writes, Where is the God who can compare with you? Wiping the slate clean of guilt, turning a blind eye, a deaf ear to the past sins of your purged and precious people. You'll stamp out our wrongdoing. You'll sink our sins to the bottom of the ocean. Don't, don't you love that verse, folks? Don't you love the image of what Micah says God does for us when it comes to our, our guilt and our shame? And for that reason, we need to understand that because of God's incredible gift to us, what we do is we can live with this incredible, incredible confidence. And, and that confidence, folks, really, truly does not just simply put our guilt and the shame in the past, but it also sets our present and our future free from that same guilt. We no longer need to be controlled by it. We no longer need to be dominated by it. So that's the first source of confidence that God gives us when he gives us a fresh start, is he promises to forgive everything we've done. Here's the second source. God promises to work out the details of our lives. You might want to write down, he promises to work out every detail of our life. Paul writes this, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. <clears throat> now, those of you who've been around the church for a while, uh, no, but let me just be clear, folks. Paul in no way is saying that everything that happens is good. That, that is not biblical. That is not true. That is not consistent with Paul's saying. Rather, what Paul is saying is he's saying God can and God will work everything for our good. 
And there's a vast difference. He's not saying everything that happens is good. He's saying God will work everything for good. And the reason God can do that is because what is impossible for us is not impossible for God. Paul says he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or imagine. And so we need to understand that what's beyond our control is not beyond God's. And so he can control all things in our life. He can work everything together for our good. And when we believe that, we can live with confidence. But when we don't believe that, you know what we live with? Some of us are living with it right now. We live with stress, right? Tremendous stress, because here's what stress is. Layman's definition. Folks, stress, biblically, as far as I'm concerned, for me, personally, theologically, is when you and I try to work on our own, everything out for our own good, rather than trusting God to work everything out for our good. So when God gives us a fresh start, he says to you, he says to me, he says, I will work all things together for your good. Because that promise to you and me, folks, not only decreases our stress, but it increases our confidence. Let me give you a third source of confidence that God gives us when he gives us a fresh start through Jesus on Easter. And that is, he gives us, the third source is we know that God will give us the strength for whatever we face. He will not only give us, he'll work on those things, but he'll give us the strength that we need to face whatever it is we're facing. Take a look at what Paul writes. I am ready for anything through the strength of Christ who lives in me. Now, many of us, many people, live tired and exhausted all the time, right? And, and one of the reasons for that may very well be, folks, because we're trying to live life in our own power, in our own strength. And the problem with that is God did not create us to live and face life or face problems in our own strength, in our own power. God created us to plug into his power and his strength when we're facing problems. The simple fact is, folks, as gifted as you are, as talented you are, and many, many of you are very gifted and very talented, but here's the truth. No matter how gifted, talented, determined, resourceful you are, folks, none of us are fast enough, smart enough, quick enough, connected enough to face life on our own. It really is that simple. I'll give you one example of that, historical example of that. Many of you recognize the, the name of the author and adventurer Ernest Hemingway. And by most descriptions, most people would have said during his lifetime, he was the epitome kind of of this self-made man, a man living life on his own terms and his own strength. By his own omission, in his friend's omission, though, that pressure finally cost him his life. Trying to keep up that image, trying to be this self-made, self-reliant man, it, it cost him to take his own life in a very horrific way. And after his death, one of his closest friends said this, Ernest must have told me at least a thousand times, it's difficult business to be a man. And Hemingway was absolutely right, folks, because if you and I are trying to be a man, or for that matter, a woman, and face life in our own strength with our own resources, it is a tremendously difficult business. In fact, it's an impossible business. So let me speak heart to heart to you this morning. If you're here today, and you're ready to give up. I don't know, maybe you're ready to give up on a career. You're ready to give up on a marriage. Maybe you're struggling and you're saying, no, I'm ready to give up on one of my kids. I believe God brought you here today so he could say this to you. Don't give up. Look up. Because I can give you the power that you need 
Don't give up. Look up. Well, the fourth source of confidence that God gives us when he gives us the gift of of a fresh start is he gives us a future home in heaven. He gives us a future home in heaven. I want you to look at what Peter wrote. He says, because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And this is my favorite part of the verse, and that future starts now. Folks, we don't have to wait for the sweet by and by. The sweet by and by is here. Heaven is with us. God is already at work in our lives, bringing heaven in our lives. Now listen, here, let me make something very, very clear, and most of us understand this, but heaven is a perfect place, which logically means only perfect people get to go there. Because if imperfect people could go to heaven, guess what? It wouldn't be perfect much longer, would it? In fact, it would stop being perfect. And and folks, most of us logically recognize that. We can follow the logic of that. We even agree with the logic of that. But we also recognize in that statement a really big problem for us. And here's a really big problem I put it on myself. I blew my shot at perfection a long time ago. And I'm willing to bet that you did too. And that's a problem for us, folks. But that's why God came up with a solution. It's why we're here celebrating today. It's what the Easter story is about because God in his love sent his son to live a perfect life and then to suffer and die on a cross to pay for our sins, folks, so that we can not only have a fresh start here on earth, but we can have ultimately a home one day in heaven after we die. And folks, those four things are sources of confidence. It's part of what God gives us when he gives us a fresh start. But As wonderful as those two things are that God gives us when we have a fresh start, a brand new perspective on life, and he gives us a new confidence about the future, those things pale in comparison to what I believe is the very best thing that God gives us and that changes in your life and mine when he gives us a fresh start, and that is he gives us a new relationship with himself. God gives us, the third thing is, the best point of getting a fresh start from God is we get a new relationship with God. That's why Paul wrote this. Now we can rejoice to our wonderful new, in our wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us in making us friends of God. Now let me just share with you a conviction that runs as deep as it could possibly run in me, because I believe it's biblical, folks. And here it is, folks. The reason you and I are alive is because God wants to have a relationship with us. He created us to love us. And not just for 80, 90, or even 100 years. God wants to know us, have a relationship, be friends with us for all eternity. And until you and I figure that out, until it becomes a reality for us, I promise you, you will not understand, you will not fulfill the purpose of life. Because you and I are not here to simply be born, you know, go to school, start a family, make some money, retire and die. The purpose that you and I are here for, folks, is to be friends with God, is to enter into a relationship with God and then ultimately become close, personal friends with God. That's why Paul wrote this. In this new life, one's nationality or race or education or social position is unimportant. Such things mean nothing. Whether a person has Christ is what matters, and underline this, and is equally available to all. Now, I hope as I read that, that for some of us, for many of us, there's something that stirred inside us. We got excited. 
But here's the reality for some of us. It was a reality for me. Some of us, even though that excites us, we hear that, but because somebody who called themselves a Christian hurt us somewhere along the way, we said to ourselves, there is no way I could ever be a Christian. And as I said, folks, I was there once in my life too. And so can I offer you just a bit of advice of what I learned over the years about that? Folks, don't ever let the failures of another person keep you from a relationship with God. Never allow something that was said to be done in the name of God that God would never sanction keep you from a relationship with God. Never let falseness, phoniness, or frauds keep you from God. Bottom line, don't let anyone or anything stand in the way of you having a relationship with God. But I know others of us, we hear that, and, and we don't hold back from seeking a relationship with God because, because of what someone else did to it. It's it because of who we are. We feel unworthy to be accepted and loved by God, to have a relationship with God. For we think about that and we tell ourselves, given what I did back then, given what I failed to do back then, maybe what I failed to do today, God wouldn't want anything to do with me. God would never want a relationship with me. And again, I get that. I felt that way too at times. But here's the truth. God knows everything, and I mean everything, about your life. The good, the bad, and the really, really ugly. And he still says to you, I want a relationship with you. See, that's why Paul ends by saying he is equally available to all. Not some, not the desirable, not just the good. He says he is equally available to all. But here's what I want you to understand. No matter your reasons, if that's true for you today, that you've been holding back from a relationship with God, seeking one, entering into one, enjoying one, I want you to know whatever the reasons are, I've been praying for you this week. Many have been praying for you this week in the last few weeks, and we've been praying that that would change for you today. And if you want to know, at least for me, what I've been praying for you, it, it's best expressed by Paul when he wrote these words. I pray that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in, and that you will be able to feel and understand how long and how wide, how deep and how high his love really is, and to experience this love for yourself. The reality is, folks, all of us, all of us need a new perspective on life. All of us need a new confidence about our future, and all of us need a relationship with God. And there is absolutely no better time to receive those gifts than today on Easter. Because on the first Easter, folks, when Jesus rose from the grave, he truly made fresh starts possible. In fact, he made them a reality for us. Lewis testified to that. Many of you sitting here can tell a story of how God truly made a new life, a fresh start for you, possible. And so my counsel to you, if, if you've never done that, you've never had that fresh start, you've never asked for it, then my advice to you today is to follow David's advice. And David wrote these words. He said, open your eyes and see how good God is. For blessed are you who run to him. Then just think about it. doesn't contemplate it. He said, those who run to him. In other words, David is saying, he's encouraging us, he's counseling us to step out of the darkness and into the light of God's love by asking him to give us a clean slate and a fresh start. 
Because the whole heart and point of Easter, folks, is this. God loves you, and he loves me so much that he suffered, died, and rose again so that we could have a fresh start, so that we can live a new life. And so I want to encourage you, when you think about the cross, when you look at these crosses behind me, would you see Jesus with his arms outstretched saying, I love you this much? I'm dying to give you a fresh start. And folks, all he asked in return, all he asked in response from you and me to that incredible gift is that we own the words of Lamentation 521. And I want you to, you might not be familiar with them, I want you to look at them. Here, here's what all Jesus asked for us in response to that incredible sacrifice on his part for us to give us a fresh start. He simply says, we need to own these words. Bring us back to you, O God. We're ready to come back. Give us a fresh start. And I just want to say to you today, folks, if you've never done that, if you've never asked for that fresh start, then I, then I want to just encourage you to do it. Don't wait another moment. Don't wait another day. Just do it. In fact, to give you the space and time to do that right here, right now, I'm going to close this in prayer. So would you bow your head with me? And let's go to prayer. Heavenly Father, is I just think about all the men, the women, the teens, the young adults, the boys and girls sitting before me, either in this room or online, I realize how much you love them. Yet I also realize that some of them do not have a relationship with you. Because even though they've known about you for years, maybe decades, they've never known what it takes to have that personal relationship. And so right here, right now, Father, I pray that you will give them the courage to pray Lamentations 521. Now, if today you've never done that, and that is the desired heart, then I just invite you to say this in your heart. You don't have to say it out loud. Would you just say in faith, in trust to the goodness of God that we sang about, just say to him, God, bring me back to you. I'm ready to come back. Give me a fresh start. Then would you say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming and dying so that I could be forgiven, so that I could live a new life. I want to know you. I want to learn to love and trust you. I want you to be the leader of my life from this point forward. I'm going to give you just a moment or two to just say that to God in your own words, whatever else that you just want to say to God in this moment. heads still bowed and eyes still closed I just want to talk to you for a second heart to heart and say if you prayed that prayer would you please let me know about it because I really do with all my heart want to do all that I can to help you better understand and grow in that relationship with Jesus you just entered into so if 
you, when, we, when I get done praying, you'll just take out your Connect card from your bulletin, or if you're online, just simply uh, go where Scott told you, off, off to the side of the chat, and get on that online Connect card, and just indicate it on that card by checking the box that says, my decision today is to commit my life to Jesus. If you'll do that, I promise that not only will I send you some resources to help you better understand and grow in that relationship, but we will, as Scott has shared earlier, we will open line of communication. If there are things you want to talk about, questions you're, you, you're looking for answers to, we will come alongside you as a staff. I will come alongside you to help you find those answers, but ultimately help you grow in that relationship. So let us know about your decision. Father, thank you for the gift of a fresh start and how it changes us. It gives us a new perspective and, and gives us a new confidence about our future. But most of all, it gives us a new relationship with you. And so, Father, I pray for each and every person who prayed that prayer today, asking you to bring real and lasting change in their life. I pray that you will be with them. And I pray that you will bless them this week. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, today we have celebrated the best news uh, ever, and that is that Jesus has risen from the dead. He took our sin and to the grave, and he rose in victory forever. And it's because Jesus is, a, is alive that we can be too. I want you to know, uh, if you're new to Peckway Church, that Easter isn't the only Sunday that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, um, that's the good news that gets us out of bed every morning. And so we celebrate the resurrection every, or we celebrate, yes, that resurrection every single Sunday of the year because faith in Jesus um, is what has helped us experience real and lasting change in our lives that we didn't have access to before. At this church, we've got people um, who thought that they could never be forgiven, but now they are. We've got people who were once addicted, but are now living in freedom. We've got marriages that have been restored and renewed. We've got people who were once hopeless, who now live lives of full purpose. And it's because of the resurrection power of Jesus at work within us. So we gather not just on Easter Sunday, but every Sunday of the year to worship Jesus. Together we sing praise uh, to his name. We look into the word so that we can learn more about him. So no matter where you've been or what you've done, Romans 6.4 is for you. It says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So I want to give you another opportunity, just like Jerry just communicated, but for you to communicate your desire to know more about Jesus. And it's on the back of that connection card online. You can do the same thing. But there's a box there uh, that has decisions. If you've made one of those decisions, would you check that box today? Let us know, and we'll get in touch with you. We want to help you walk this journey, answer questions if we can, pray with you, whatever it is. Because we value that. You're important to us, and we want to be there and walk that out with you in whatever we can. Thank you so much for worshiping with us here today. I appreciate your attention. Uh, happy Easter. Come back and see us again next week as we worship together again. Thank you. Have a good day.